Hello and welcome to another edition of the Slam podcast here on National Club Golfer. Um, and it's a big one. Um, big week. We've just had a big week. We're going into a big week. But first of all, of course, the Slam podcast is sponsored by Callaway last week. It was Running Yin who going to the top of the Rolex Women's World Golf Rankings. This week, John Rahm was at his best with his Callaway Paradigm driver at Wentworth, leading the strokes gained off the tee category on his way to a top five finish. So kudos to Callaway for that. Um, what a weekend it was. It was a weekend of firsts. Ryan Fox got his first Rolex Series win. And he was victorious at the BMW PGA Championship. Sahith Thagala got his first PGA Tour win with a victory at the Fortinet Championship. Germany's Alexandra Forstling got her first professional win, winning in Switzerland. And yeah, of course, there's also the small matter of the Solheim Cup that's taking place this week. Um, before we get into that, I'm Matt Coles. Joining me, as always, uh, is Matt Chivers. Um, Chiv, what a week it's been. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyable weekend of golf. Um, it's, it, was, it was great to see Sahith Sai Figala win the Fortinet. Like he's he's been one player that I, I think it's difficult not to like, and it's difficult not to not to um sort of just want him to win. Obviously, he had those he had those heartbreaking moments last year. They sort of stick in my memory the most last year, to be fair. Um, of of just recent PJ Tour years and seasons, like the ones that stick in my memory the most, and were included in, in the um in the Netflix documentary as well, weren't they? It was the the, the moment where he found the water. In the last few holes at, at the at TBC Scottsdale to lose the Phoenix Open, and then he he was messing around in a bunker on the last hole at the Travelers Championship, and he just he, your heart was just bleeding for him because he's he's clearly very family orientated. His family are very supportive of him. They, they he's always seen on well, his family are always seen following him around the course, and especially in the last few holes when he's in contention, and became tied second at the RSM Classic this year as well. Um, that was another one that he missed out on, um, but yeah, it was it was brilliant to see him to see him finally win, um, and hopefully, sort of that sort of burden of him not winning before, maybe a bit like, you no, know, it's a bit like someone that Cam Young um, hasn't got over yet. Um, Say for God, now hasn't got that thing hanging around his neck. He hasn't got that burden of not winning, and you know, it'd, it'd be great if that sort of led to more wins. Um, He's had a pretty solid season, to be fair. He came, he came ninth at the Masters and tied fourth at the at the Heritage, and um, he got to the BMW Championship. I know getting to the Tour Championship is like a be or an end all for some players, but you know, to be in the top fifty players in the PJ Tour on such a competitive tour, you know, it's no that's no mean feat. Despite missing out on the Tour Championship, and that form has clearly led into the week just gone, where he's won by two shots. Um, at the Fortinet, it wasn't really a bad field, was it? To be fair, either. No, I mean, I was having a look at that this morning, and um, so yeah, so what was it? Six of the six of the top fifty players um, from this season's PGA Not Tour. Too bad. Yeah, six of those who who made it to the BMW Championship, and of course, have then qualified for those you know the elevated events. Mm. Um, five of those finished in the top seven. Um, which shows the quality they've got. Obviously, Sahith Thagala won it. Cam Davis, Eric Cole, Brendan Todd and defending champion Max Homer all finished in the top seven. Um, the only one was Andrew Putnam, who didn't even make the cut. Um, yeah. But yeah, so six of the top 50. Um, so it's not like it was a weak field, you know? Um, and we had that conversation last week, didn't we, yeah. when we were talking about it? Um, but yeah, you mentioned, you know, he, he had that sort of 
that sort of burden of not having won. We saw him on the on on full swing the Netflix documentary as you mentioned. Um, he'd come oh so close before. How important is this win for for him? Um, and also, I think you, there's there was talk of, of a different part of it as well as you know people from from his. Um, you know, the ethnic background as well, you know, like a Tiger Woods and, and a Harold Varner and so on. Yeah. An important win for, for, for that as well, would you say? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, that, to be fair. Um, you know, it's it's there's not many players of his background um, in, in, in the golf world, is there? Um, and as we just said, he's beaten Justin Thomas. He's he shot 400 in the final round, um, outscoring the players that were chasing him. Um and he's a character, and he's a character that was included in the Netflix documentary. They clearly thought, they clearly felt it was, um, it was worth, it was worth including him as a personality in that documentary. Like, um, and yeah, you don't see many winners um, from his background um, in golf in general, really, do you? Especially, in, especially in America. Um, but no, it's great. I've, I've really enjoyed. Watching him win, I didn't watch the end of it, of course, last night because the um, the leaders teed off at ten to ten in the evening our time. So I think it was three o'clock, wasn't it? By the time yeah. I think finished UK yeah. time, I didn't fancy um, staying up for that. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, not not just that, but as you mentioned, uh, he seems to be just like a, um, a golfer and and, a, and just a bloke that you can sort of get behind, and it's mm. a it's a good win for the tour. Not just for him personally as well. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, mean, I think after last season, I think some people might have considered him to um, they maybe make a push for the Ryder Cup team. Obviously, I don't think. I mean, I imagine he might have been one of the people that Zach Johnson called to say that he wasn't going to be in the team, maybe. Um, yeah. But there was never any chance of him being chosen. Um, but at the start of last, at the start of this season, maybe some people might have thought that he could he could play himself into the top twelve and see if he could get a pick. And he has had a good season. Um, he did. He did miss a couple of cuts before the before the playoffs, um, which probably put put pay to any sort of Ryder Cup contention. Um, but he's got very sort of like flamboyant swing. He's a very unique style. Um, I don't know if you've seen on socials on on X since since winning. He's got that video of himself teaching us um, how to deliberately hit a shank. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I saw that this morning actually. And if there's one thing I don't need. Any training on it's how to hit a shank. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I know. I did see that. <laughs> the fact he could purposely do mm. it is just incredible. Um, but I think there was a, there was a nice little moment as well afterwards. Um, Justin Thomas went over to to congratulate me. Something JT always seems to do. He always seems to stick around at the end of events. And um, Sahith said to him, "You know, go smash it in a couple of weeks." Obviously. Mm talking about the Ryder Cup and mentioning JT, it was a big week for him. It was a big, big week for him. He had to show, not maybe not to the world, but he had to show that Zach Johnson was right in choosing him and selecting him as a captain's pick. Um, didn't quite have it on the final day. It was a, a level past 72 on the final day. Mm. But tied fifth, he was in contention. How important is that for him going into Rome in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, I think he, he did need that, didn't he? I think he did, did definitely need that. I think that's his best finish. It's his first top five finish since the Phoenix Open in February. Um, so that shows what it sort of a, year he's it says had. says a lot about his struggles, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's only had, I think it must be only his fourth top ten all year. 
Um, but you know, we, we, we've we've covered that to the back teeth, haven't we? Anyway, um, but yeah, m- much m- much improved from him. Three rounds in the sixties, um, Silverado, and yeah, it's maybe that's clear that the work he's been doing o- o- off the course is to be worthwhile. Like a top five finish is something that he definitely needed. Now he's got a week off. I imagine they'll be on the range, maybe or chilling, or whatever, in in this week. Um, and then they'll be flying. I imagine they'll go to Rome on Saturday or Sunday. I don't really know, to be fair. Mm. Um, but that I think that was definitely crucial for him. I mean, imagine if imagine if he missed another cut. Like, he would be sweating about his form um, if he had missed another cut. Um, I'm sure Zach Johnson would have been very pleased to see him play a bit better this week and very pleased to see Max Homer play well again. Like, he has had a, another good year. I wrote last week... I really see Max Homer as a potential as a contender to be the American top point scorer. I can yeah. see him playing every session. Um, he's had a great year. Like he, he, you wonder where he's been hiding all these years with with the form that he's been showing this year. I know, like I know, the majors might be an area where he he'd want to improve, but he still came tied tenth at the Open. I think um, made it to I think tied ninth at the Tour Championship, which you know, just, that's indicative. Of, of of his form this year, um, yeah, I think I think he's definitely going to be a contender for being top point scorer. I think he's versatile. Um, he could be put with Thomas. He, he could be put with Fowler, Morikawa, Spieth. I think you could put him with anyone because of his, you know, he's quite down to earth, isn't he? I think that's clear to see. You now. He's quite down to earth with his sort of social media activity and his interviews. Very laid back bloke. Um, he, he'll say like more than anyone how much sort of maybe he's learned. Or how much perspective he's got from since being a father. Um, maybe that's a, a bond that he could share with Jordan Spieth, maybe at the Ryder Cup that they can relate to. So, as, as well as Justin Thomas playing well this week, I think it was crucial for Max Homer to keep it up. And I think that's all just backs up what I, what I wrote last week that I think he, he is going to be a, the key player for for America. Um, a Marco Simone, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. Um... And from what you wrote to to something I wrote last week, and uh, I got this one absolutely spot on. We're going to Wentworth, um, all twelve members of the European Ryder Cup team. Well, I suppose technically all yes. eighteen members of the European Ryder Cup team um, were there, <laughs> including um, Luke Donald and his five vice captains. But it was a certain mm-hmm. Kiwi that was the man of the <laughs> moment. Ryan Fox was the winner, and I've, I've been a big fan of Ryan Fox for several years now. He's got such a unique swing with you know the the left foot being so, you know, faces so far outwards. He puts everything into it. As we mentioned about Sahith Fagala, he just seems like a good all-round bloke. Um, and it's a first Rolex Series win for him. What a comeback it was on Sunday. You know, triple bogey on three, left him five shots back um, at one point in the opening part of the of Sunday's round. Eight birdies followed, though, including an up and down from 99 yards on the 72nd hole. We all know the famous 18th at Wentworth. Yeah. Um, he made an incredible recovery on 15 from the trees on the left, made birdie there, made birdie on the 72nd to win by a single shot. Um, what a win it was. Um, I mean, what a comeback on Sunday. What a comeback. Yeah, I mean, I mean amazing. Like to, to make a triple bogey. And then to still shoot five under is so is so impressive. And he, he has been, like, there's no doubt, he has been one of the 
well, the outstanding, definitely the outstanding player on the, on the DP World Tour in the last two years. Um, he's third in the race to Dubai now, but if you forget Rama McElroy, obviously they're not really DP World Tour <laughs> players, are they? Like, he has been the outstanding player. Without um, doubt. And I love it when he wins because he's we're sort of almost remind, we're always reminded of, um, of course, his dad, Grant Fox, who's a former rugby union player from New Zealand, who's a member of the All Blacks team mm. that won the first ever Rugby World Cup in 1987. Um, so to you know to produce to produce a son who's literally a world class golfer as well is so impressive and and to do it on such a strong leaderboard you know we we we've sort of defended the strength of the uh net championship but the strength of the the leaderboard at Wentworth you know oh, and the field in general was just massive you know and, and all the twelve Ryder Cup players that uh, European Ryder Cup players there as well as Adam Scott Tom Kim um. Billy Horshaw. Yeah, Billy Horshaw. So he's beaten Aaron Ryan, Tyrrell Hatton by a shot. I think, you know, Tyrrell Hatton would be pretty disappointed not to not to win this week. Like, he had a, he, he a four-shot lead at one stage, didn't he? Yeah, um, I mean, he made an incredible run, didn't he? It was five birdies in the first seven holes, but just a couple of bogeys, especially that one on 15, mm. will be absolutely... Uh, he'll be angry with himself over that. Yeah, very angry well, with himself over that, but a he's great. Angry, he's angry with himself over a lot of things. Well, <laughs> do you think was, what, what? What do you make of his antics? I don't know. I know, like, I don't know. To me, he reminds me of like a footballer that I don't know. Say, if you get a fiery footballer, like, for example, I don't know, Arsenal centre back Gabriel. Like, he's a bit fiery and he's a bit rash, but. If you if you if you told him to tone that down, he might not be as good a player. If you know what I mean, yeah. There's, there's probably a load of other players like that. If you tell yeah. them to tone it down, they might lose that passion, and they might become a worse player. So maybe with Hatton, maybe his passion and his like outgoingness oh, is it, it, it is what keeps him um, towards the top of the world rankings and in contention for these tournaments. But I don't know. Like I'm Team Tyrrell all the way, mate. I am. Well, no, so am I. Team Tyrrell. I am. We are very similar, apart from he's much better. Um, but mm. I also have the anger. I also have the club throws. I also have so, so I'm here for all of it because mm. he never shies away. You know, he, he's always he always seems to be there and thereabouts. Yeah, and whether he gets over the line or not, you know exactly how he's feeling. Mm. And that's one of the things I love about. Tyrrell, you know, there's a couple of the guys, John Rahm's another, you always hear him chuntering when he's not playing at his yeah. best. But then there's other golfers you think they just sort of hide their emotions away a little bit. Tyrrell doesn't do that, you know, you know exactly how he's feeling. Yeah, I suppose you know, in that respect. all the sound bites of him, you know, that's Isn't a great it? shot apart from it's 25 yards right. Yeah. You know, and so on. Um, in so, yeah, that I'm respect, yeah, I do Tyrrell. agree. I think, I don't like it, I don't know, with every, with every putt, with every approach shot, there's some sort of excuse or some sort of he thinks he's got unlucky or you know with every part he's moving his arms he's he's complaining even when he hits good drives he sort of stands and acts bewildered sometimes so I don't know if I don't know it is <laughs> I know that feeling <laughs> yeah is it is it is it, is it a bit tired is it a bit tiresome do you think I mean I'm a massive fan of Hill Hatton I think he's absolutely world class like he's a massive asset to Europe he's a massive asset to European golf the way he's sort of risen through in the game in the last sort of four or five years. But I, I, I don't know. I, I know it's who he is and 
I think it's part of why he's a good player. But I don't know, like becoming a bit. He's predictable now, isn't it? Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I think there will be people who will be like, "Why is he? What you know? Why is he complaining? Mm. Why is he?" constantly chuntering to himself the hand gestures as you say you know when he misses puts and so on um but for me like i say that's tyrrell at his best that's who tyrrell yeah. is yeah. it's when he plays his best is when he's showing all that emotion and yes he didn't quite get over the line on sunday but he showed exactly why he is a valuable asset to team europe as you've just said and of course he was one of seven of the european Ryder cup team to finish in the top 10 Luke Donald will be absolutely thrilled with that. Mm. Um, yeah, I was looking down the leaderboard earlier, um, obviously having watched a lot of it yesterday. Tyrrell Hatton tied second, John Rahm fourth, Victor Hovland fifth, Tommy Hatton, Tommy Hatton? Tommy Fleetwood sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, Rory in tied seventh, Ludwig Berg and Sepp Stracker tied tenth, um, Fitzy and Shane Larry tied 18th. You've got nine of the, of the team inside the top 20. Um and then Justin Rose, um, Bob McIntyre, and Nicola Huygard, um, still all made the cut. So you know they've all got four rounds of golf in. Um, yeah, Luke Donald as well was was tied thirty six alongside Justin Rose. Um, you know, <laughs> getting himself in the team. Um, but yeah, a very strong week for for Team Europe. Um, can we find that there's any British blood or European blood in Ryan Fox? I think it's a bit late for that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, great Shane week. To see, team Shane see Ludwig drop out a bit on the on the front nine, two doubles in space of three holes. But you know, he's only young. I know. I know we keep raving about him because he's young, but he still is only young. And I don't know. I tweeted on Sunday to say that you know, even the people that predicted his his progress months and years ago, they couldn't have seen foreseen that he was a fifty four hole leader at his first start at Wentworth. Yeah, maybe the pressure, or maybe shot making under pressure, just took its toll a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think what you could you could look at the positives and say, well, he's had a bad Sunday at Wentworth, therefore he won't have a bad Sunday in Rome. We can look at it like that, maybe. Um, but of course, if you think he's played back to back golf for the last sort of what five six weeks from yeah. the PGA Tour over to the DP World Tour, winner in Switzerland, of course. You know, to come back down from that high must have been difficult. Bit of fatigue, um, maybe. Exactly, yeah. And then, of course, I mean, it's the Open de France, obviously, this week on the DP World Tour. I can't see. I don't think many of them are playing, if if at all, any of them are mm. playing this week. Um, the same as there's no event on the PGA Tour, so there won't be the Americans on on show. You mentioned that they'll probably go Saturday. They might even go a bit early just to combat jet lag and things like that before yeah. obviously starting practice on on Monday or Tuesday. Um, but yeah, a great week for Team Europe at Wentworth. How pleased will Luke Donald be with what he will have seen this week? And obviously, having been out there as well himself. Yeah, well, I think very pleased. Um, it was important that they all got they all sort of played together on the, the Thursday and Friday, didn't they? So that was quite predictable that that, that was always going to happen. Um, maybe a few clues to to the pairings and stuff. I'm very pleased about one pairing because I've. Um, I, last week in the office, I know we, we we were yet to the reveal who all our pairings are. Um, that'll be up soon on the website. But um, I've got a pairing. I had a pairing in my head last week before the before the Wentworth groups went out of Hovland and Aberg to be to, to be playing together, and it seems that they had a match. And then it, it then subsequently came out they had a match at they had a match at um, 
Marco Simone, they beat Tommy Tommy Fleetwood and Roy McElroy and then Hovland and Aber were playing together at Wentworth. So I'm very pleased that that prediction, yeah. prediction is set to come true. And I think that's a, I think that's a totally logical logical pairing. You know, they're both absolute yeah. strikers. Strike the ball down the middle of the fairway most of the time. Um, both Scandinavian both backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. So speak the same language. Um, so yeah, I was very pleased to see that as a bit of personal vindication as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was the same as you. I had the exact same same pairing in in, in my selection. And of course, as you mentioned, they'll be out on on the website either either this week or next ahead of the Ryder Cup. Um, but from one team Europe to another, mm. and of course, this week is the start of probably the best two weeks of the year in terms of golf for me. Yeah, um, you can take your FedEx Cup playoffs, you can take your major weeks, but the Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup going back to back. This over the next two weeks is exactly what golf is about for me, um, and it is the Solheim Cup this week. I think Akortasan in Andalusia will play host to it. Of course, it's the first of two in two years. Next year, the Solheim Cup will be played again as it reverts back to even years. Um, of course, following the postponement of the 2020 um, Ryder Cup due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, which is why we've got them both in the same year. Um, Team Europe hold the trophy, having won it in both 20, 2019 and 2021. They're looking to win a third successive edition of this event for the first time in their history. Um, meanwhile, Team USA are looking to regain the trophy and to win on European soil for only the third time since the turn of the century. Now, that is a statistic I could not believe. Um, I would have thought that Team USA would have had a lot more wins on European soil. Mm. Than they do, but, you know, the, the Americans seem to struggle in the Ryder Cup. In Europe, maybe it's a sign of things just across, you know, both genders in the sport. Yeah, well, they're on the brink of on the brink of history. To be fair, aren't they, Team Europe in the Solheim Cup? Because they're um, they've never won it three times in a row. I think America have won it twice, three times in a row. Yeah. Um, so this is a good opportunity for a really good opportunity for Suzanne Pettersson's team to restamp their authority on the Solheim Cup. Um, they, they, I think they're, they're narrow favourites, and the, I think the the tide has turned in the Solheim Cup in terms of who are who are favourites nowadays, and I think it definitely is Europe. If you look at their teams, um, they've got less rookies than America. Um, it would definitely appear that they've got more experienced players. Um, they've collective in terms of collective Solheim Cup appearances. I think Team Team Europe has far more. Um, you've got Charlie Hull, Carlotta Siganda. Um, Anna Norquist um, and Caroline Headwall the, the, they are the most experienced players for Team Europe I, f- I find it incredible to think that um, Charlie Hull has already played in five Ryder Cups at the age of just 27 uh, Ryder Cups, Solheim Cups in the age of just 27 um, so she will be looking to, I don't know Still, still, you know that's no age, obviously, in golf. But she will be one of the leaders in that team room, won't she? Along with Carlotta Siganda, you know they've the pair of them have played with a range of different different players down the years at different Solheim Cups. So it'd be interesting to see what pairings come out as well. But I think Europe have every right to sort of claim claim the favourite label because they've got more experience and they've got some real superstars in there. You know, Leone Maguire. Um, Lynn Grant, Celine Boutier, who is obviously a winner, a, a major winner this year, also a winner of the Scottish Women's Open. That was in back-to-back weeks, of course, wasn't it? 
Um, so I suppose that's that's the European perspective in terms of their team. Um, America have five five rookies. I mean, as we as we say with uh, the Ryder Cup, you know, rookies are only by name and sometimes not by nature. Like, you know, you've got um, Scotty Scheffler who made his debut last year for t- for Team USA in the Ryder Cup. You know, he wasn't really a rookie. I know he had won on the PJ Tour by that time, but he, he, he was a he, he was a rookie by very much by name, not by nature. He was very much established in the PJ Tour. And yeah, you know, you've got Lilia Vu, who's a who's a rookie in the Solheim Cup. You know, she's won two majors this year. Um, I know she missed a couple of cuts in between, um, but she's literally a double major winner of the Chevron and the and the Women's Open. Mm. She's a rookie for Team yeah. Europe uh, for, for Team for Team USA. You've got Alison Corpus, who's who obviously won the Women's US Open at Pebble Beach, and she's a rookie. Um, Rose Zhang, God, we all obviously know about Rose Zhang. She, she she's a bit like I suppose she might be like the equivalent of Ludwig Aberg, I suppose. Um, in many ways, you know, they they dominated the amateur scene, the college scene, in in their own respects. And Rose Zhang came into the professional game and won the Mizuho Americas Open, just the age of twenty, on her first a, a professional start. Obviously, Aberg didn't win on his first professional start, but I think it was his ninth, wasn't it? Um, so we have to talk about the parallels there between the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup. So um, I suppose I suppose senior do deserve favoritism just through their experience and and um, sort of pedigree in the world rankings as well. Yeah, completely. I mean, another parallel you've got, as you mentioned, Lillian Vu and, and Alison Corpus, you know, you could compare them to Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon. Mm. You might not have had them in the in the team to start with, but both major winners this year and both, you know, both made it in. Um, Europe are slight favourites, ever so slight favourites. Europe are currently evens. Um, USA are eleven to ten, so I mean it's it's very slight favourites. Mm, mm. um, you mentioned Charlie Hull there. Obviously, she was the youngest ever Solheim Cup player at the age of seventeen um, back in twenty a decade ago. A decade ago now, it seems forever. Um, and you know she's twice a runner up in the majors this year. I think it was US Women's Open and then the AIG Women's Open at Walton Heath. Yeah. Um, obviously, she couldn't quite go online. Lost in a playoff a couple of weeks ago on the LPGA tour. Um, it just hasn't quite been her year to get into the winner's circle. But how much will that motivate her to play well for Team Europe this week in Andalusia? Well, as I say, like she is, she is the one of the key players for. Um... For Europe at the Solheim Cup, she's got a very decent record. To be fair, you know she's played nineteen matches and won eleven of them. That like that is very very decent. Yeah, um, that's not just that's over a sixty five percent win percentage. So that is very very decent. Um, it's the second best. It's no, pardon me. It's the third best winning percentage on the um on the team at the minute. Um, Leona Maguire, she obviously played in the Solheim Cup once, but she's she won four matches. <laughs> yeah, she, she had some impact. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Obviously, that's four less appearances than um, Holes made. But um, and then you've got Celine Boutier, who's got about a seventy-eight percent winning percentage in our Solheim Cup career so far, having made two previous appearances. But with Charlie Hull, you know, to win eleven out of nineteen so far is very, very impressive. Um, up to up to ninth in the world now, I believe. 
um, in the Rolex rankings. And she is, she is a, she's going to, she's going to be key. She's going to be a big cheerleader. I think a quarter's in. Um, I imagine, I imagine she'll play quite a few, quite a few sessions. Um, she has, she's been paired with, with Georgia Hall before. Um, but she's been paired with quite a few people before, you know, um, the rookies in Gemma Dryberg, um, with Maya Stark and Lynn Grant. So maybe as one of the more experienced players, um, Pettersson might look to pair Hull with one of them. Maybe Gemma Dryberg, you've got the UK link there. So it'd be interesting to see who Charlie Holtz get, gets paired with, to be fair, as well. But certainly her and Anna Norquist and Caroline Hedwell, they've made the most appearances in the team. Hedwell's played in four previous Southampton Cups and Norquist has played in seven previous Southampton Cups. So, And Norquist has won 14 out of her 27 matches, which is very respectable again as well, to play in that many matches and to win more than half of them. You know, that is that is very, very decent. So it'd be interesting. I think my angle here is who the experience will be matched with. But I assume Hull will, will, will play the majority of the, of the sessions. She'll, she'll be, as I say, she'll be a big cheerleader um, for, for, for Team Europe. One that will rouse the crowd on on the first hole. You know, they've got that big, that big, great big... Um, season area around the first hole. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you mentioned both Celine Boutier and Georgia Hall, and they were a great partnership in 2019, I think it was. Um, I think they played three matches together, won all three mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a pairing. Um, that could definitely be another route that Captain Suzanne Pettersson goes down for Team Europe this week, obviously back on European soil as well. Um but you know, talking to Charlie Hull, obviously she'd have played alongside someone like Dame Laura Davis back in the back in the day. You know, obviously Dame Laura played in so many Solheim Cups, um, and just you mentioned that winning percentage as well. Obviously, Leona McGuire and Celine Boutier, the, the top two, and then yeah, um, Suzanne Pettersson herself is right up there with fifty eight percent. Maybe get her back in the squad. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a few rookies in there as well. Um, a couple of in, more of the inexperienced players that that are in there. I mean, you look at sort of like Emily Christine Pedersen. She's played played twice before. Madeline Sagstrom's also played twice. Um, so there's a few in there that, and then obviously you've got the rookies as well. Um, where do you maybe see Suzanne Pedersen getting those rookies in early? Um, you know, sort of someone like a Gemma Dryberg would maybe pair pair her with an experienced player like Charlie Hull or or Georgia Hall, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it is that combination of experience and and freshness that I suppose is always um, a consideration for the captains. Um, if we go back to Georgia Hall and Celine Boutier for one second, like they got three out of three points in 2019, um, and they halved one match together in 2021. So that would definitely seem like a like a pair that sh- that, that that could well be rekindled. Um, they are two of the top two of the top players um, that you would think would deliver some, the most points for for Team Europe. Um, having said that, you know you've got as we said with um, players that you know are only rookie by nature. You know you've got Maya Stark, who's who was a a ladies European tour winner, multiple ladies European tour winner. You know, she is she's definitely coming into this with full of confidence um, and expecting to you know to, to really perform for Europe. Lynn Grant, he's got you know she's she, her, her credentials obviously clear to see. Just twenty four, Mike Stark's only twenty three, 
So you've got these fresh, young, fresh players. Um, there's definitely a chance for Norquist to pair up one of those two, um, you know, to, to link to, that's that Swedish link. You've got Madeleine Sagstrom, who hasn't actually got a great ride cup, uh, Solheim Cup record. It's in two previous appearances. She has lost four of her six games. Mm. So maybe, I don't know, she might be one that maybe sits out a few sessions or maybe gets paired with one of these young guns who who can maybe inspire, you know, a, a, um, Madeleine Sagstrom to sort of maybe turn her record round. Yeah. Um, but in terms of pairings, I think Hall, Hall and Boutier is definitely one you'd, you'd like to see. Um, you've got Carlotta Siganda there, another massively experienced player. You could see her being paired with, with, a, with a rookie, maybe in Stark or Grant or Dryberg. Um, Siganda will obviously be desperate to perform in front of a home crowd. The first time it's the first time the Solheim Cup's gone to gone to Spain, of course. Um, I suppose in terms of players that are going to are going to play in every in every session. I think it's you'd assume that Celine Boutier would. You know, she's had she's played in seven matches in the Solheim Cup so far, won five, lost one, and halved one. So certainly, Celine Boutier as a three-time winner this year as well, world number five. She, she Team Europe are going to be looking to get most of their points through her. I think mm. um, so. She she is a very versatile pairing. Um, and if you, if you look down the team as well, you've got Emily Christine Pedersen that maybe maybe wants to improve her Ryder Cup uh, Solheim Cup record as well. Um, two appearances, very similar record to Madeleine Sagstrom. She's won won three, lost four. Sagstrom won two, lost four. Um, so, like with the European Ryder Cup team, maybe there's going to be that Scandi link. Um, Caroline Hedwell's very experienced player. She could also play with. Uh, Stark and Grant as well, the same way as Norquist could. So yeah. it'd be very interesting to see what what Petson goes with. Um, yeah. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of wiggle room. I think there. there's a lot of a lot of versatility for for Petson to work with. I think. Yeah, and you mentioned obviously. I think five Swedes in in total in in the team. I think um, you mentioned you know Lynn Grant, Maya Stark, both both rookies. Of course, Caroline Headwall. Very experienced, the only woman to ever get a perfect five from five, of course, back in 2013. Um, and a Nordquist playing vice captain, so you've definitely got the the room for for two all Swedish partnerships um, on the opening couple of days. Um, I, I think you, you're also right when it's in terms of looking at players who might play all five sessions as well. Sort of Celine Boutier, we saw Leona Maguire, of course, do that two years ago. Um, she took four and a half points out of those five. In, I think possibly the best rookie performance in either a Solheim or Ryder Cup, um, you know, in history. Um, and then Charlie Hull would probably be your three that you might look at possibly playing in all five sessions. Yeah. Um, from a European standpoint, um, who's going to be top point scorer then for Team Europe? It's a it's a tough question, mm. I know, but who's going to be top point scorer for Team Europe? Yeah, I mean, I mean. If you can sort of ignore the betting perspective, I suppose you got. I suppose as we said, you got to think about who. Um, basically, it's a question of who's going to be the key player, isn't it? I think you'd have to look at Maguire or, or Celine Boutier. I, I suppose Maguire. Um, you know, she absolutely rallied um, last time in Ohio. Um, only one, only one Solheim Cup appearance, but she plays. That was her, her rookie one, but she played like she'd been playing it for years. Um, you, I think you definitely have to look at Maguire, and then. It's no, it's no obviously secret that we've made that that 
Boutier is um, a key a key player for Team Europe. If you look at the Ryder Cup team as well, you've sort of got a core of you know Rahm, McIlroy, Hovland. Um, who am I missing? Rahm, McIlroy, Hovland, Fleetwood, um, maybe Fleetwood and Hatton. You know, yeah. you've got a core of four or five players um, that need to play in every session, really, or you're expected to play in every session to score the most points, to, to who can be paired with anyone and really, really score points. Now, I think the ones you're looking at there, really, are, are Celine Boutier, um, Leona Maguire, Lynn Grant, perhaps, and certainly Charlie Hull. You know, I think those are the ones that are going to be the real cheerleaders, going to be strike the fear. You're looking to the players that play in every session that can strike the fear in the other team. And I think I think those players I've listed will, will, would be those, and those those be the names of the American team. If they can keep them quiet, if they can beat those players, then I think they'd be looking at winning and turning the tide in the Southern Cup. Yeah, I complete, completely agree with you. Just uh, a, a quick rundown of Team Europe, as we've mentioned. We've mentioned all these names, but Celine Boutier, obviously two-time winner, uh, three-time winner, sorry, on tour this year, including a major major championship on home soil. Carlotta Siganda playing on home soil in Spain. Lynn Grant, first female winner on the DP World Tour last year at the Scandinavian Mixed. The English duo, of course, of Georgia Hall and Charlie Hull. Ireland's Leona Maguire, who, we, as we've said already, performed so well in Ohio. Anna Nordquist, who's been around this team for years. Maya Stark, um, they were the eight who qualified automatically. And then Suzanne Pettersson's um, four picks were compatriots um, Caroline Headwall, as we mentioned, five from five back in 2013, and Madeleine Sagstrom. Uh, Emily Christine Pedersen and Gemma Dryberg. Dryberg will be one of those rookies. Um, Team USA, it's a, 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 they had a little different uh, way of going. They had only three captain's picks um, for Captain Stacey Lewis, um, but three major championships this year for the American team, as we mentioned earlier, Lilia Vu with two of those and Alison Corpus, and both making their ride, uh, Solheim Cup debuts. Then Daniel Kang, Megan Kang, Nellie Corder, of course, we know how good she is. Jennifer Kupcho, Andrea Lee, Lexi Thompson, Rose Zhang, and then three captain's picks, Ali Ewing, Cheyenne Knight, and Angel Yin. Talking of this American team, Lilia Vu obviously coming in as a rookie. Same with Rose Zhang and all the hype that's gone on around her. Realistically, there's probably only Nellie Corder that's got that sort of talisman sort of vibe yeah this team so the likes of Lilia because obviously Lexi Thompson's been around a lot but she's dropped off quite a lot this year um Lilia Vu, Rose Zhang, Alison Corpus of course major champion this year they're going to really have to perform alongside Nelly Corder if the Americans are going to have a chance this week yeah I mean you mentioned Lexi Thompson there she's the most experienced player on team on team USA she's made five previous so I up appearances, which is so impressive and like a bit like Charlie Hull and Norquist and Hedwell, you know, that, that, that shows such good like longevity um, in the game, you know, to make five previous so up appearances and still, and still just, and still just 28, 28 years old as well, which makes it even more impressive. Um, her, her record isn't that bad to be fair. She's, she's got 50% record. She's won six, lost six um, and half seven. So in 19 matches, which, you know, it's not quite Charlie Hull's record, to be fair, um, but it's one that's still respectable. And you know, she she will be. Um, I think the rookies, you know, should be looking to the rookies and you know, being like an angel on their shoulder and just 
just helping, just helping them through the week. Um, as I say, there's there's more rookies on the American team than there are on the European team, and that's more rookies and more people that are fresh to the situation, isn't it? That's more rookies that aren't that aren't familiar with the Sohan Cup, not familiar with the pressures of such intense match play situations. Obviously, with Lydia Vu, that might be a bit of a that might be a bit of a a, um, a deluded thing to say, to be fair, because Lydia Vu's been in been in analysis on Corpus, for example, been in, involved in the most high-pressured situations possible by um, winning majors and really sort of having to hold their nerve in in that sense. But match play is obviously a different diff, different animal. Um, there's a lot of key players on the American team. I know, I know what you mean when you say um, Nelly Corder is probably maybe the most feared player. And that would, to be fair, be shown in her sort of solid record. You know, in eight matches, she'd have five wins and just two losses. And at half, you know, that's a 68% win ratio. So that's really, really not bad. And Nelly Corder, I think, will be, like we mentioned with the other players um, on Team Europe, you know, the 25-year-olds will be looking to, I think, maybe, I don't know, play in every session. It's hard to say who will play in every session. But I suppose if you had to put your put, put your name to... She'd be one of them. Yeah, she'd put, put your name down to one. It would mm. be supposed to be Nelly Corder. Yeah. Um, Lex Thompson, as I say, is the most experienced player. You've got Danielle Kang, who's made who's made three three appearances for for Team USA as as a negative win percentage. But in terms of that experience, um, you, you think that maybe um, Danielle Kang would be one that the rookies would look to, and that America might look to um, to gain points. Um, but if you look if you look down their team, you know there are a few players with with negative winning records. You know you've got Megan Kang, who's won one match in. In two previous appearances um, for Team USA, so Stacey Lewis will be will certainly not have her work cut out, but she has less to work with in terms of experience. I think, um, despite the major winning exploits of some of the some of the rookies, um, I read a great article, sort of great summary article on the LPGA Tour website by Amy Rogers, who sort of broke down sort of why um, Europe see themselves as favourites and how sort of the tide has turned. Um, and Stacey Lewis um, sort of spoke about how she's very much looking at statistical data. She's using KPMG to really break down what pairing she'll, she'll, she'll choose on the first morning and then what pairing she'll choose in the matches, that the subsequent matches based on how they get on um, in each morning. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, America certainly have the better average world ranking. You know, it's, it's hard to sort of believe that Caroline Headwall, for example, is... Um, ranked sort of 122nd um, in the world, and America's lowest ranked player is Shea Knight, I believe, who is sort of hovering around the top 50. So, um, although we've got those uh, rankings there, um, Stacey Lewis very much looking at a statistical um, outlook for for the event. It is certainly an interesting dynamic where you have got Europe as the favourites, but if you look at the American side, Rose Zhang, we can't wait to see her play. Just 20 years of age. She got three other top tens on top of her Mizuho America's Open win. Um, as you mentioned, Lydia Vu, two-time match champion, world number two at the minute as well, just behind Rioning Yin. Um, so she is clearly. I know she missed. She has missed four cuts um, this year as well, and she might that might put her down as maybe a streaky player. Um, but that might not necessarily matter in match play because obviously you can have a bad hole, still just go one down or all square or whatever. 
and still win the match. You've got some streaky players in Team Europe as well. In in terms of the right, if we look at the Ryder Cup, you know, Step Stracker is quite sort of a streaky player. Um, there's missed cuts, then one events. Um, so in terms of the standout players for Team USA, I suppose you would have to go with, you know, although she's a rookie, certainly Lilia Vu, and like you mentioned earlier, Nelly Corder, um, I think will be the ones who Europe will look to keep quiet. I think in the Solheim Cup, you've got to look to keep players quiet, especially when you're playing on, on away turf. Um, and you've got to keep, you, you've got to expect maybe Lydia Vu, Nelly Corder, um, Lexi Thompson, really to be to be the ones who keep Europe quiet or will look to keep Europe quiet anyway. Yeah, definitely. And you may you mentioned Danielle Kang, um, who's had issues already on her way to uh, Malaga, she posted on her Instagram yes. story yesterday um, that so at the moment she's only got one club with her currently um, in in Malaga. Well, um, not isn't it? Yeah, she has a Scotty Cameron putter with her. However, her clubs did not make it, so that might be something to look <laughs> towards as we get later into the week. Um, you know, is she going to have to play with a brand new set of clubs? Obviously, the They'll all have the trucks out there, whether it's TaylorMade or yeah. King or Tightlist or whoever it is. Um, but that's just a little something that you don't really want to happen to you ahead of the biggest week of the year. No. I mean, to be fair to Daniel Kang, she, she's an experienced player. I don't, I don't think she'd experienced anything like that before. But um, in 2021, she was um, she was paired with Austin Ernst a couple of times um, in Ohio. They they lost one up um, on the first morning, and then they were paired together again in the second morning and beat uh, Madeleine Sangstrom and Georgia Hall. So that's a pairing she's been involved in in, in the past. Um, if we look at other pairings that we could potentially see on the on the American team, um, Kang has previously been paired with Lizette Salas, who isn't in the team. Been paired with Megan Kang before. Again, Lizette Salas, she was paired with twice. Um, in 2019, so it's difficult. It might be difficult to to, to sort of predict who some pairings, um, you know, as with the Ryder Cup as well, it can be difficult to tell who, who the pairings will be. Megan Kang is obviously there in the team this year, of course. So that that could be another pairing, a repeat pairing that we could see. But in terms of the rookies and the more experienced players, you know, maybe you know Lexi Thompson perhaps to go with Rose Zhang. That's that's a pretty mouthwatering pairing, isn't it? You've got Andrew Lee. <laughs> That's a blockbuster pairing, is what that is. Yeah, Absolute I mean, blockbuster. Be, that'd be an exciting one, wouldn't it? And then you've got, you know, Lilia Vu. I mean, you've got Lilia Vu and Nelly Corder, maybe. You know, Nelly Corder's got a bit of experience along with Lilia Vu. Maybe you don't want, that's a bit of a Woods Mickelson pairing, I suppose, isn't it? Maybe you don't want such quality in one pairing. Obviously, the pairings will be announced in the opening ceremony on Thursday. But yeah. It, I, can't, I can't wait, to be fair. It's going to be so exciting. And it's a chance for European history, isn't it? It's a chance for Europe to establish a bit of a foothold in, in golf in general with back-to-back weeks, the Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup. I mean, yeah. I mean, exactly. You, you're not wrong there. And obviously, the, the two the two events are going in with very different feels. Obviously, Europe, Europe going in with a chance to make history in the Solheim Cup, winning it you know, um, for a third time in succession for what would be the first time in, in, in their history, not in the tournament's history, as we know, we mentioned earlier that the Americans have done it before. But of course, then you look at the Ryder Cup and 
Team Europe are just looking for anything compared to what happened two years ago at Whistling Straits. <laughs> um, and of course, the Americans are looking for history by winning on European soil for the first time in three decades. Three decades it's been. Um, but yeah, this Solheim Cup, to me, I think I think the fact it's a week before the Ryder Cup as well is going to spark significantly more interest. I think that's only going to be good for the game, for the women's game. Um, the fact it's in Spain, it's bringing a different audience to it as well. And obviously, I think, thank God you've got Carlotta Saganda there, who's going to play on home soil, because I think it would have been a bit... It kind of would have been, you know, like a Ryder Cup at Valderrama without Jose Maria Olathabal. Mm, yeah. Or, you, you know you know what I mean? Um, but I say that we had the Ryder Cup in France. And from what I can remember, I don't think there was a French player in that team. So no, well, They haven't got a very good record in Ryder Cup for any French players, have they? They're few and far between, really. Mm-hmm. Thomas Levesque brings to mind, maybe. Yeah, possibly the, De Buisson, of course. De Buisson, yeah. Um, but yeah, Solheim Cup, for me... How do I see it going? I think I think you have to give Europe as 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 the bookmakers have. You have to give Europe that slight advantage. There's less rookies. So there's more experience in the team. Obviously, less rookies. Home crowd, um, good form leading into it as well. You know the four picks. You might argue about Caroline Headwall as you mentioned being you know outside the top hundred in the uh, world rankings. But you know the only woman to ever go five for five in a in a Solheim Cup in a single Solheim Cup, I should say. So it's one of those. I mean, you can say it about anything; it could go either way. Yeah, well, me, that's what the odds would suggest as well. To be fair, there's no clear <laughs> favourite, is there? I know the odds we've just, we've just sort of spoken about how Europe has tilted it in their favour, um, but you no, know, there is no clear favourite, and. You know, I could do the same with the Ryder Cup. Obviously, America have world class, probably more more um, depth in talent. But in terms of the Solheim Cup, um, there's superstars. And it's, it may be equal number of superstars on both sides, um, yeah. which makes it just a mouth mouth watering prospect. And you know, as I say, like, can't wait to see what Leona Maguire does this week and Celine Boutier. And equally, I can't wait to see what you know, like Lilia Vu and Rose Zhang and Nelly Corder do. You know, it is it is really a tournament full of superstars, isn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine? It's eight all. Or nine seven, yeah, my maths is right there. Sixteen matches, yeah. Going into single <laughs> Sunday, I really like to think about that. Going into single Sunday, first up, Nelly Corder against Charlie Hull, followed by Rose Zhang against Leona Maguire. Yeah, I mean, followed, it... followed by Lexi Thompson against Celine Boutier, followed by Danielle Kang against Georgia Hall. Who's not going to want to watch that? Yeah, it's, it, it, it is mouthwatering. To be fair, it's, it's it's a busy week for us, isn't it? As well, but it's it's like a it won't, it won't feel like work. To be fair, would it? Because it would just be so exciting to watch. Um, favorably, favorably um, timed as well. It's nice that it's not in America. Only an hour <laughs> out, isn't it? Yeah, we we might have to get up slightly earlier with it being an hour in front, and I'm sure it'll be yeah. probably seven or seven thirty start. I'd imagine I think it's ten. Might be ten past seven, I think, on each day. Yeah, so well, not, not, not on Sunday. It's a bit later on Sunday, I think. Yeah, usually they start about eleven a.m., don't they? On yeah, eleven through to about one o'clock is usually the single sort of mm. timings. I always remember, or well, we all remember, what happened to Rory back in twenty twelve. Um, yeah, but obviously that was uh, <laughs> that was his own. Well, his own doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was um, yeah. But yeah, let's hope there's none of that um, in in Spain in uh, this week. But yeah, 
Are you, are you saying Europe for the win, even though it's close? Or, or do you think it's going to be a close run thing? Or do you think one team is going to blow out the other? I don't know. It might be hard for America. To, you know, the, the momentum is shifted in so Arm Cup, really, isn't it? Um, it is. It, I mean, obviously, it's hard to call. I know it's a boring thing to say, but it is hard to call. Um, I suppose we'd have to go with Europe just because the momentum is with them, I think, in the Soul Arm Cup. They're really, they're really, you know, from from the winning putts, Pettersson dropped in Glen Eagles in 2019. I should be desperate to to bring it home for, for Europe again. Um, I mean, obviously, as will Stacey Lewis, um, there's obviously not obviously no doubt about that. And they'll be really, really determined to cause an upset um, and really sort of quiet the home crowd. So I can't, to be fair, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. It's And it's... It's almost disrespectful to call it an appetizer to the Ryder Cup because it's not. It's it's obviously an absolutely huge thing in itself. So you got you've got really sort of you know blockbuster blockbuster after blockbuster these next two weeks. Yeah, completely. And you, what you also can look at when you look at these two teams is that there are just three players over the age of thirty out of the twenty-four, and um, and they're all European. Carlotta Siganda, Anna Nordquist and Caroline Hedwell, which means we could see these teams up against each other for some time as well, mm. which shows just how exactly, exactly good this Solheim Cup could be. And you mentioned, obviously, we fit, we're probably both maybe leaning towards Europe slightly. Obviously, the Americans have got five rookies to Europe, Europeans, three. And the average, you know, the winning percentage that each European has just tends to be that little bit higher. That might be because it's the last couple of uh, Solheim Cups and obviously Europe have won both. Um, but that's also going to maybe play just a little bit of a a little bit of a part in this edition of this ferocious competition between mm. two world-class teams. There's a great point you make there about sort of the youth and the youth and the longevity that these players could have in the future. Like the same with the Ryder Cup, like but with Solheim Cup, you know, you could have all these players playing in the next few, in the next, Sarn Cups to come. You know, there's so many, you know, God, Charlie Hole's already made five and she's she's um you know only twenty seven. Rose Zhang's twenty, you know, she's gonna say she say Rose Zhang is still brilliant at the age of, you know, forty. I don't think that's an exaggeration. That's not that that's that's, that's potentially ten Solheim Cups. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, ten Solheim Cups we could see her playing. So it's just it it just adds to the appetite of the event, doesn't it? The maths is working well on both sides of this podcast. <laughs> um, and of course, we've got another Solheim Cup next year, which means mm-hmm. that these teams yeah. might not change that much. And of course, the two captains will be the same next yeah. year as well. So it's, it's essentially a two-legged playoff. Of yeah, the it is a bit, two isn't it? Yeah. Years, um, because it will be Stacey Lewis taking on Suzanne Pettersen again next yeah, year. Yeah, so interesting that. Um, in the States. Um, I think it makes sense though, doesn't it? Because when you've got... Two There's years. no time, is there? There's no time for them to rebuild, a new captain to rebuild, is there? Exactly. When you've got two years to do it, it makes perfect sense to have another captain every two years. But when you've only got 12 months in between, and it's less mm. than 12 months, actually, because it's a bit earlier in September next year, um, so it's from maybe about 50 weeks. Um, but even so, it, it's you might as well, even if, say, say Europe get beat badly mm. this week, Suzanne Pettersen can use that to her own advantage for next year. You know, yeah. be like, right, what did I maybe do that I could have done differently? You know, who might I pick next time and so on. Obviously, the teams won't be the same because they'll be... Yeah, there's going to be a captain. There's going to be a captain that gets to right the wrongs, whoever loses, isn't there? Yeah. Which is such an interesting dynamic. You know, it'd be so interesting to see sort of maybe 
next year, Robert, is it Robert Trent Jones Golf Club? Um, yes. Yeah. So next year, it'd be so interesting to see how the captains, you know, react to what happens this year. You know, what decisions they'll make. Um, and certainly some of their selections, the captain selections, um, captain's picks for the teams. It'd be interesting to see how they develop into next year as well, if they qualify for next year. So it's all it's all so exciting. Yeah, exactly. And you you would probably think that you'd get more um, of these two teams playing again next year with a shorter gap in between, mm. obviously. Um, you know, with the usual two-year gap, you usually see three, four, five players change each time, don't you? Yeah. Um, in both the Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup. And that just seems to be the way it is. You know, people come back into form, people lose form and so on. So it might only be one or two, possibly three players that change. I mean, you look at the likes of Nelly Corder, Rose Yang, Lilia Vu, Celine Boutier, Charlie Hull, Leona Maguire. They're all going to be there, mm. obviously. They're the big guns there. Your Rams, your Schefflers, you know, your McElroys and so yeah. on. But it's those ones that have maybe been picked like a, an EKP. Is she going to be there next year? Um, will Anna Nordquist be there next year? You know, she's one of the elder states, states women of the of, of the entire thing obviously was vice captain, but still qualified anyway. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, wonder how this experience is going to be for for her as a playing vice I know, captain, I know. knowing that let's face it, probably twenty twenty six, she may well become captain following Suzanne Pettersson. Yeah, I mean to be a playing captain, God, what an experience. Um, and you know it's it's only a year later to the next one, so it wouldn't surprise me if she played again. Mm-hmm. Um. Back to back playing captain roles, maybe you, you, don't, you, ne- you never know, do you? Because a, a year later is a big difference between two years later, isn't it? Because a lot can yeah. form can fluctuate so much. Um, but it's another interesting dynamic as well. So it'll be very sort of be very busy. It's, there'll be no one busier than Anna Norquist this week, will there? <laughs> exactly. Ima- imagine Anna Nordquist is in Suzanne Pettersen's there saying, I think I should play all five sessions, Skip. Yes. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Put a smart sh- smart shoes on for board meetings, captains meetings, then straight out, the to, straight out to the range to prepare for the afternoon four balls or four oh, balls. Put their bikes back up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, as I mean, we'll, we'll bring this to a close for the mm. week. But what, I mean, what a couple of weeks is we have ahead of us. Obviously, the Solheim Cup this week. We are very much looking forward to it. Very much looking forward to seeing the crowds in what should be sunny Andalusia as well. Mm. Which will be a nice change from the rain we've currently got here in the, yeah, uh, in the United Kingdom. Yeah, down at the minute. Um, and then, of course, sunny Rome as well, where you'll be going to next week. I know, I know. Very privileged, very excited about it. So um, this will be this will be. Let's say it's not an appetizer. It's, it's obviously a huge event in its own right. But this will get me proper in the mood for next week. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So this that was your Solheim Cup preview. Via, via us and of course again well done to Ryan Fox for his first win uh, for his first Rolex Series win at Wentworth um, just like to point out again I chose him to win so you know <laughs> everyone should listen to me um, well ignore the fact I put Andrew Putnam in, in, in my list <laughs> and he missed the cup but one, one will do out of the week yeah yeah of course um, but yeah so Chiv uh, as always thank you very much we'll do this thank again you, same time next week for the Ryder Cup and obviously Certainly. I'll look back at what's happened in Spain Um, I've been Matt Coles, and that has been The Slam for this week.